This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. All right. Hello, everybody. So this is the book club podcast episode, and this was for September's book, which was Cat and Nat's Mom Truths. Uh, I had been wanting to read this book for a long time, and my goal was, do you remember, Jen? I brought this book after I defended my PhD thesis at the beginning of March. I brought this book because we were going to the spa the day after my defense, and I was like, I'm just going to read this book the whole day at the spa. I was so excited. And then I had like a raging sinus infection. I was sick. So, and the spa was busy. So I couldn't find just like a quiet corner. I had a cough, like it was brutal. So I never got to read it. And so when I started the book club, I was like, this has to be one of the month's book. So we read it. Uh, For anyone that doesn't know, Jen does not have children and she still ordered this book and she read it like a champion. So she is going to try and weigh in on maybe some of the thoughts that I had about it and what I could relate to or not relate to. Um, So yeah, Kat and Nat are two moms from Toronto. I actually looked up their age because I was curious how old they were because I had no idea. And at first I thought, Like they must have been, I was like, well, they must be a lot older than us because I have Milo who is two years old Mm -hmm. uh, and they have seven kids between the two of them. So I was like, but they didn't look that much older than me. So I was confused. So I had to Google it. So they're 37. So we're 35, which is insane. Um, I also thought they were older because some of the references made me think that they're older. Like, I think one of them talks about receiving a dollar bill, uh, on her birthday or something from a little boy in her class when she was turning six or seven or something like that. And I remember thinking like, I don't know what a dollar bill is. <laughs> dollar, dollar like, what's a, I'm, I know what a loony is. <laughs> exactly. And Americans are probably like, uh, what's a loony? <laughs> What's the loony? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they are Kat and Nat are social media uh mom influencers, I guess you could say. They have a huge following. They have this book, they have a podcast. Um, before COVID and quarantine, they were doing live uh shows like across the US and Canada. Um, so yeah, their mission, which I took from their website, is to bring laughter and a sense of community to women and to moms. So overall, I would say this book was a super easy read. Um, And it was set up similar, like all the books that we've had have been not books that necessarily flow from beginning to end. They've been, you know, each chapter is its own message or topic. And so in this book, Kat wrote some of the chapters and then Nat wrote some. Um, And yeah, each one was its own topic. So I enjoyed most of the titles of the chapters. Like they had, one was called Up Yours Honey Nut Cheerio B. One was called Instagram is Bullshit, which I love. And yeah, another one was Macaulay Culkin Ruined My Life. So every time I turned the page and I would see like the title of the chapter, I was like, oh, what the hell is this going to be about? (laughs) 
Yeah, I agree. I loved it. I think we both even commented chapter one is welcome yeah. to the shit show. And then I was like, instantly, yeah. this is hilarious. So I agree. Love. It was probably my favorite part was the yeah. chapter title. Um, so yeah, as a, as somebody who doesn't have any children, what did you like, what were your thoughts as you were reading? Like, wow, this is crazy. Like, is this really what moms go through? Like, what was your thought? Uh, yeah. I mean, and I think to be fair too, it's a good point to say, like, I don't have kids because I'm choosing not to have children. So, um, I always love learning about this content because I mean, this is also your, your world as well. And we've been friends since the eighties. So I, I like learning, um, about the struggles that moms go through because, you know, my friends, my family, a lot of people in my life are moms. And so I like to come at this from the perspective of like, how can I maybe be a better friend or a better sister or a better, you know, um, just a better person in terms of helping to support women, right? I think that so many people in my my life are moms and and to understand some of the craziness that you guys go through as moms is always insightful and always helpful. Sometimes actually reading this book, I feel guilty because I feel like, oh my gosh, like as a friend, like I should be more supportive. I should be more helpful. I should, <laughs> I should know these things. So I I liked reading the book from from that point of view. There are definitely things where I was like, holy geez, reinforced my opinion as to why maybe I am choosing not to have children. Like, yeah, definitely made the the right choice here. <laughs> so there's those. You're like quietly reading, like in your living room with like a glass of wine, oh, like no distractions. 100%. I think I posted a photo of me reading this book with a glass of champagne and Kat and Nat reposted it because <laughs> it's like every <laughs> time hilarious. I read this book, I pretty much had a glass of wine. Um, so I liked it from that perspective. Like I take it as like a learning opportunity, um, cause there's definitely things that I don't relate to, but also at the same time, I mean, I have such strong, um, motherly figures in my life. Like I have my mom, I have my stepmom, I have, you know, friends that now are moms. So I think a lot of this, I, I also kind of know. So while I can't personally relate, I think, uh, nothing was necessarily like super shocking, um, Mm-hmm. but I thought, so a lot of it, um, I do have a different perspective though, in terms of like, I can't relate. So I think like, really, I, are you being maybe a little bit extreme? And I don't know. So I think that's where our differences, um, might come into play. Yeah. I, something that I noticed as I was going through the book was obviously I do a lot of mom related content and I write my blog and I'm starting to write a book and I have this podcast. And so there's a lot of things that they kind of mentioned or they like talked about that I was like, oh yes, like this is like, you know, a surface level. Like I found a lot of the topics I maybe go super deep in into them like okay why do I feel this way why why am I irritated at my husband for doing this like I just because of my background in psychology I think um but yeah they hit on a lot of the things that I talk about and that I kind of realized after having Milo um so what I did was kind of just quickly skim through the book today and I made little notes on things throughout the book that I like really relate to and that I think are good things to talk about. Um, so something in chapter two that they mentioned was that the end of delivery is just the beginning. 
And this is like, I always say people, when you're pregnant, you're, you're planning and you're so worried about labor and delivery. And it's like, it's literally like the blink of an eye. And then you have a baby and it's which to me sounds crazy because that does not sound like the blink of an eye. That sounds I know, and, traumatic. No, and that's, and it's true, but then you're sitting at home with a one-year-old and you're like, as if I was fucking worried about labor and delivery. Like, look at where I am now. Like, everything is so difficult. They're changing constantly. Like, as soon as you get comfortable in one stage of their life, then, you know, they start to do something else. And, and it's like constantly going, or even just as simple as postpartum recovery. Like, oh yeah, I was so stressed about labor and delivery. Well, the nurses and the doctors, like they're the ones that are like guiding you through that. Like you're just like pushing and like doing your thing. And you're so focused that you're not even like, you're not even there. Like I felt like I was at a CrossFit class. Like that's what I felt like. And then it was over. And then I had to deal with recovering, which is like, yeah, nobody talks about that or prepares anybody for that. And I remember walking, like trying to walk around my house after giving birth. And I was like, how is this a thing that happens to people? And nobody says anything like, yeah, I mean, and that's one thing that I can not truly relate to because I've never birthed a child. (laughs) But I've had two (laughs) reconstructive hip surgeries, which are basically a pelvic surgery and a lot of, I had abdominal incisions and a ton of recovery. And so I think something that you've touched on a lot on your Instagram and in your, maybe in your TikToks uh, or your blogs is the postpartum recovery and how intense that is and how um, a broken ankle gets more attention in terms of from the medical professions, what you need to do to recover from, let's say even a sprained ankle probably has more protocol than postpartum uh, recovery. And so I can only sort of have a glimpse into what it's like to, to deal with that. And I just had to take care of myself. I didn't also then have to take care of a living child and make sure that they are all of their needs are met because those technically are become the number or they become number one. And, you know, because that's your child, but also yourself is also your number one. And so it becomes a struggle, I'm sure internal struggle for moms. So I can only sort of glimpse at that. So I agree with you that I think, um, it's funny when they focus on like that, or when they mention that the delivery is only kind of the beginning, but I also, I think that they could do a deeper dive into what they actually mean by that, right? In terms of like, yes, preparing moms but this- a little bit. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. 
better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This was kind of like what I found throughout all the chapters was like they give just like a little nugget of like like that, you know, delivery is just the beginning. And it's like, okay, but like, and then what? And then they just kind of go on to the next topic when, you know, you kind of want more. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I found throughout. It's very surface level and a lot of people, and like, I'll preface this by saying not everyone wants a big deep dive book. You know what I'm saying? Like, like everyone has books that they like and everyone's different and you know if you just wanted a light mom read this is perfect but like for me what I'm used to reading is like academic research that's very like descriptive and gets into you know like the guts and theories and like you know makes you think um and so a lot of people had reviews that said you know the book was very surface level and all the points that they made were very underwhelming. Like it was very, it was like, here's this little, you know, tidbit of, and you're like, oh yeah, that's so true. And then it was just like on to the next thing. And there was no kind of thought put into why that is, or, 
you know, how to, how to move forward or how to prevent this in the future or anything like that. It was just very, I think because the chapters also don't, there's no flow to the book and which sometimes it's good because it makes it easy to read, but they didn't necessarily then come back to that same topic. So you would almost want a deeper dive. And I remember when we were reading Glennon Doyle's book, I found her chapters kind of did that, but she would bring the point back again later on into the book. And her whole, like that whole book is very cohesive. Whereas this book is not so cohesive. So you kind of scratch on the surface level there and I would expect it to come back around. And then most of the time it, it didn't. So I agree that there's kind of like a, that gap there. And I wanted to know a little bit more. Um, and then it just never happened. Mm-hmm. It, it does help keep the content really light. Yeah. Chapter three was called Macaulay Culkin Ruined My Life. And I liked the topic of, you know, she was saying when she was young, she would watch Home Alone. And it was almost like they were glorifying like these big families, even though that movie, like when I think about it, it's like chaos. <laughs> but um, yeah, so in in her mind growing up, the perfect family was like that massive family or household that you see on Home Alone. Um, And then again, it leads me to like, okay, well, let's dive into the concept of a perfect family and what that means. So yeah, I liked that, that part and how, well, I like the title of the chapter mostly. (laughs) Because when I, when I turned that page, I was like, what the fuck could this be about? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. And even like when you were just re-explaining, I'm like, what was that chapter again? And, but now I, now I remember, but I mean, and it's funny for me because I think a lot of people, you know what? I actually don't get asked that often why I'm not having kids. I find it's, I'm really fortunate in that sense, but also I don't mind talking about it. So I don't know, actually, when I sit or stop to think about it, I don't actually know how I feel about it. But most people either just know that I'm, like they already know me and they know that I've never wanted kids. So I rarely get asked the question about, are you having kids? Why aren't you having kids? And I rarely, rarely get asked those questions. But when I do, a lot of people assume I'm an only child. Mm. It's really funny. They're like, Oh, did you grow up as an only child? Is a lot of the times the first reaction I get, I'm like, Oh, it's like, no, I have a brother, but then I also have two stepbrothers and a stepsister and we're all super close. And then I explain, I'm like, we actually all get together every summer for a siblings weekend where it's no parents allowed. And we spend three days together every single year. And we have a group message that we chat in almost every single day and we hang out and we love each other. And I, I wouldn't trade my family for anything. Like I absolutely adore having a large family, but I still never wanted kids of my own. And so when I'm reading this chapter, I find it funny that sometimes people get caught up in that. Like, what is your ideal family? And for me growing up, I literally, my ideal family wasn't having kids. (laughs) And so it's not something that I came to as an adult. Like I literally just never pictured my life, you know, I maybe pictured my life more like Carrie Bradshaw, yeah, which is not the reality living in suburbia, but I, I didn't picture kids in it. So I think it's funny that we all, no matter who you are, we often think of our future and what our family will mean, whether it's like a lot of kids and, and married and living in suburbia, or do you picture yourself without kids? But we all kind of have this ideal that we psych ourselves up for. And then it'd be, it's a little bit hard when you know, we paint this perfect picture and then that reality isn't 
achieved? Yeah. For me, like I have a younger sister and older brother. And so I always assumed like in my twenties, I would say I didn't want kids, but not that like, oh, I'm never going to have them. But at that time, you know, I wanted to do so many other things. And it wasn't until like I was in the relationship that I'm in now with my husband that, and like once I was, you know, close to finishing my PhD and like we were going to be settled, then I wanted to have a kid. But I always assumed that I would have two or three kids um, just because that's how I grew up. Right. But then after having Milo, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like this, like it's really hard and it totally changes your life, like completely it's also different now because you start having kids so much later or a lot of people do. So, and I wasn't even, a lot of people have kids when they're already kind of settled in their careers. And I was still in school. I was finishing my PhD, but I was 34 years old or 33 years old. So had Milo and it's not like I was going back to this career that I had built for myself or that I was in. I was just getting started in like my life and what I was going to do like after school. So I was like, how can I have another kid? And then it's funny how you can have this ideal, but then once you actually have a child, I think, you know, people change their minds a lot. One thing in this chapter that she talked about was, well, there was a few things she mentioned and one was being home with the baby all day and then literally just waiting for your husband to get home. I can relate to that so much. And I can also relate to that, you know, a few months ago when we were in quarantine. That's exactly how I felt. The quote that she said about, you know, staring out the window in her living room, holding the baby, being like, am I the only one that is feeling this way? And I remember thinking after having Milo and like going through difficult times i remember thinking about all the people that i knew who had babies and and like is this what you went through i find it very very interesting when you're like thinking those thoughts of like am i the only one who thinks this way i would instantly say no but that's cuz i'm an outsider looking in and i think i think it's also too because you know you hear about certain things before you have a kid like oh mom guilt ha 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 like and you're like oh okay like whatever big deal and then you're like oh like you know, people get depressed or anxious, like when they have a newborn and you're just kind of like brush it off. Like you said, like you just kind of like, oh, okay, like I'll deal with it when it comes. When you're in it, you're like, holy shit, like this is actually awful. And, and you feel like, so then you start to be like, holy shit, like this is what people feel like. Like this is what people are going through. Not to scare people, but (laughs) so their one chapter, um, They had, when they talked about the hospital list, I was just like, okay, I have a blog about my hospital bag and it is epic. So I will post that in the episode notes because I like, I was a master packer. (laughs) But do you think that everything that you packed, you needed to pack? Mostly like a huge thing is snacks. So yeah, hospital list. I will post that in the episode notes. And yes, I think I did use most things. Like 
sound machine, my portable speaker, snacks. Like I even brought my own toilet paper because the hospital toilet paper is so like cheap and you just birthed a child out of your vagina. Like, yes, I'm going to bring soft toilet paper. Like I brought all kinds of stuff. Did you use the toilet paper? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like my own robe, my own like pillows, my own blanket. Like you just want to be, you just want to be so comfortable. Like and have all your stuff. Yeah. I hear you. Like, you know, what's interesting to you about that? Um, one of the things that I, they missed, and I don't know if it's you that were ta- that you mentioned this, or if it was maybe one of our other friends. Um, but in terms of like, I know some women that also bring their list of not what could go wrong. Cause that's the negative. I'm not trying to say that, but it's like more of a list of like, if, if things don't go as you imagine them, these are the decisions that we've made before getting into this. I call them your birth preferences. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I think that, I don't think that they covered this in that, in the book and I don't remember if they did, but I would have, I would love that because I feel like that from all of my friends who have, um, you know, I've talked to them about like what labor is like, cause I, I love to know all of the details. Uh, everyone says that that's one of the most important things. Um, for them and for their partner in terms of like prepping for it. And whether that you guys refer to those preference lists, I'm I'm not even actually sure, but I just know that everyone I talk to like loves having that with them. Yeah. And the only reason I had one is because I talked, like I met with a doula before going in for, because I was induced. But yeah, and so they went through all of these things with me and asked me all of these questions and like I had it printed up like on a piece of paper. Like, but a typical, you know, uh, pregnancy with an OBGYN or a, a midwife probably goes through these things as well. But you don't get that. Like you don't get the big explanations for everything that you're going to be offered and what the different options are and like all that kind of stuff. And so it's already such a high stress, uh, intense situation that, you know, in the moment you're just going to go with whatever the doctor says, as opposed to, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's important to have that sheet and also to have whoever is with you know about the sheet and about your choices so that they can advocate for you. Um, one thing in chapter five that she talked about that I was like, I cannot relate to this at all is, you know, the idea of trying to be like a cool mom and like taking your newborn baby out and like going to eat at a restaurant and stuff. Like I could not, I was like, no fucking way. I was not leaving the house and I didn't want anyone in the house either. Like that's because I think that you had, you set some amazing boundaries, Renee. Like you, you also had your mom and Preby the gatekeeper in terms of visitors. And so I think that you did a really good job of setting those boundaries. I don't know if a lot of moms, know to set those boundaries. And because again of Instagram and other social media platforms, we sometimes think that people just bounce back from being a child, like it's no big deal. And they might think that, yeah, I can go to a restaurant with my newborn baby and in-laws. And even though I can barely sit down and I'm wearing a diaper, but to me, and the funny thing is, is like, you want people to look at you and think like, oh, wow, like she's really got it together. Like, look at that. Like had a baby, no problem. Like out for dinner, like two days later. But I didn't do that. Like you said, I set boundaries. And then, you know, a month or two later, 
my uncle at like a family function was asking me if I was okay and like, oh, because I see like you had a really hard time there at the beginning. And I was like, no, I didn't have a hard time. Like this is this, I had a very normal, what would you like, what would be expected time um, bringing home a new baby. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. didn't fucking want visitors. You know what I mean? And it's like this perception that if, oh, if the mom isn't like out and about and like having every visitor under the sun, like come into their house, right. that there's something wrong with them. Like they must've been having a difficult time. And it's like, no, like, like, oh, it drives me insane. Yeah. All of my first time mom friends, I'm like, okay, go read Renee's post <laughs> on visitors. Yes. It's my one takeaway. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I mean, I think COVID kind of changes that for a lot of people because it's a different reality. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, again, I think, cause I'm that outsider looking in, like a lot of times when you write a certain blog post, I'm like, oh, that this makes perfect sense to me because, but I can't actually relate because I'm not ever going to be in that situation where I feel like people need to come to my house to visit my child. Like, like I said before, I've had major surgeries, but people are a lot different with surgeries. They're like, Ooh, are you up for visitors? Like, should I come see you? But yet you birth a child and people are like, what do you mean? I can't come see Uh, you. Yeah. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year. And we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. And then the thing that, that the thing that really fucking cracks me up is, and I, I don't know if I've written about this or talked about it, I don't know. Your friend can like have the flu and you'll bring them over like food and like a get well card. And then when I make a TikTok about how after I gave birth and brought home my newborn baby, I didn't want visitors. But like, you know, here's some things you can do to help new moms. And like one of them was bring food. People are like up in arms. Like, 
oh, relax. Oh, now you don't want visitors, but you expect people to bring you food. Like, like just yeah, like, I do. exactly. Yes, I do, bitch. Like bring me all the food. And it's like, yeah. there's zero respect for the postpartum period, like zero respect. It's all about the baby and it's all about mm-hmm. what other people want. Other people just want to come see the baby. They want to come visit. Like it's about that. And it's not anything to do with the mom, which is crazy. And that's a cultural thing. Like that, that is what happens in our culture. And that's not how it is Mm -hmm. in the rest of the world. So one thing that made me laugh was when she talked about her husband would get home from work and she had no stories to tell him because it made me think about my TikToks about like, um, this was especially in quarantine when I was, you know, at home by myself with a toddler. And my husband would come home and I I would make TikToks about what I would tell him when he got home. And these like those TikToks are so popular and people are like, this is hilarious. Like, this is so true. And I'm like, it is true. And these are actual things that I said, like totally genuine, like excitedly telling my husband these stories about, you know, something that happened that day. And mid story, I would catch myself and just be like, is this a fucking joke? Like, what the fuck am I saying right now? (laughs) And my husband's just like staring at me like, okay, (laughs) this is riveting. But you, and that's, that kind of goes along with like, you miss that adult interaction and you, like, I want to talk, like I'm a talker and my husband comes home, but I feel like I have nothing to say because I've literally been coloring and, you know, watching Toy Story all day. So, and in that same chapter she was talking about how she was jealous you know just the fact that her husband got to leave in the morning to go to work and it's like I can so relate to that because I was like and even though his job is stressful and he goes to work and he's super busy he works long hours in my mind I was like yeah but you get to drive in the car for a half hour to go to work like that's not fair like you can listen to a podcast like you are fucking lucky like and then you get to talk to adults yeah like you talk to adults you get to go to the bathroom like and just yeah it's crazy and then when you're at home with especially a friggin' toddler it's like non-stop like non-stop and you have zero you time like you can't do anything so I related to that I think one of the things about the pandemic that has made a lot of people who don't have kids um realize the struggles is that a lot of us who work from home are also working with our coworkers who work from home with their young children right and so some of my friends who are colleagues or, and, or I should say friends that have uh, kids who were old enough to partake in online learning, the kids can kind of maybe sort of entertain themselves, but anyone with like younger children, toddlers, it's, it's so hectic. And you just, your heart goes out to these people who are trying to work their full-time jobs and to parents and to be educators all at the same time. And so I think that that's one of the things that like really, you know, I, I sometimes as I was reading this book, I was wondering if I would have different thoughts and different reactions if I was reading it last year when I wouldn't have seen, like firsthand seen so much of the struggles that people go through while they are trying, while you have a toddler running around your house. Um, 
Like I, like that is definitely something that I can't relate to. I mean, I've had the odd time where I have someone in my house, um, they come down for the weekend and they, they bring their kids and then, but that's super fun time, right? Like that's relaxing and you're less parenting and it's more about having like an enjoying experience. Um, but I don't get to see the firsthand struggles of being with a toddler 24 seven. Did you ever see that? I don't know if it was on CNN, but there was that news clip of the guy and he's doing like, yeah, like a serious broadcasting thing for CNN and he's sitting at his desk and then his like toddler walks in the room and the, the, his wife or whatever is like her pants around her Crawling knees, on the floor like, almost. The kids. Yeah, I know. Oh crazy. my God. Like, yes, that, yeah. that about sums it up pretty much. So yeah, they had a chapter that was called Instagram is bullshit, which I loved because I talk a lot about social media and how that kind of feeds into what I call mom poster syndrome, which is kind of like imposter syndrome, but you know, as a mom. And one of the things that I say contributes to mom poster syndrome is social media. So I, I enjoyed that they had that chapter in it, especially because they're two moms who, you know, they do a lot on Instagram. So um, it's kind of like uh, nowadays I find there's there's content that's very truthful and relatable, but then there's still, you know, like 75, 80% of the mom content, I would say, is just not relatable to anyone. I don't even think the people that are posting it can relate to it. But it's important to know. And I think I, I have a different viewpoint of it because I've spent so much time with Caroline, who's a professional photographer. I know what goes into these social media accounts. Like I, I know I have seen it I have been a model in her photo shoots. Like it is without kids, it's it's torture and it's a lot of work. Um, and so if we, like my thing is always looking at social media the same way you would a Vogue magazine, you know? Like we don't look at some spread in People magazine of Jessica Alba and her family like posing in the kitchen and like around the living room and and think like oh my god like you know that's their real life like and compare ourselves to those photos yet we do it on social media because social media has been created as this like thing that's supposed to be like so um truthful and like people's real life because that's what it started out right like uh, started out as so yeah, I always I always say, you know, if you want to follow accounts that are like that, that are not relatable, let's say, then that's fine, but instead of comparing yourself to these people and thinking that this is their everyday life, just kind of like appreciate the amount of work that goes into to these accounts. Like this is this is their job. So yeah, I liked I liked that they talked about social media somewhat anyway. Yeah. I, I agree. Like I think that, and this chapter was actually super relatable because while they're, they're talking about being a parent or a mom, I mean, what they're, what they're saying is true for everyone. And like what you were just saying, right? Like I, I could look at an account um, about home renos or beautiful decor and these people or, or baking or cooking because I love cooking 
and you look at these accounts and it's like when they're cooked, their kitchen is perfectly clean and they have everything like measured out. And sometimes I actually will even get caught up in that. And I might do that myself, but I know how much work goes into that. And I appreciate, like you were saying that a lot of times this is people's jobs or they're trying to make it their career. And so you have to take a step back and, mm-hmm. and not feel bad about your life. If when you do it, it's not perfect. Um, and one of the things I liked in this chapter, particularly when they talk about, um, she, I think they say myth number four, each and every day after becoming parents, you fall more deeply in love with your partner. And I thought this was really funny because it's like, I wonder if people think that, like, do people look at Instagram and then they think that this is what happens for people that you're going to have this child and you're going to become super in love with your partner and everything is going to be like lovey-dovey and your child is going to be perfect. And I remember reading something one where it's, where it was like, you love your child every day, but you might not even like them every day. (laughs) And I think that's also true of your partner, right? Like you love them, but you don't always like them. And sometimes Instagram makes us feel like everything in life has to be perfect. And we have to wear matching outfits and we have to have a perfectly clean house and marble countertops and all of this like perfect literally we feel like we have to have this perfect life. So I always like when anyone wants to talk about this and the realities of social media and how it's, it's entertainment. And we all need to look at social media like that. You know, there, sure there's learning opportunities on social media, but for a large portion of it, it's entertainment or someone trying to sell you something. Yeah. So we all need to be conscious of that when we're consuming different media. Yes. A hundred percent. I liked their chapter because these are all kind of things that I, I TikTok about, like just, you know, or I talk about on Instagram and it's always, you mm-hmm. know, like there's people who are always going to have something to say. Um, but they had a chapter about their bad momming examples. And one of them was about, you know, sometimes our kids eat noodles twice a day with like no vegetables. Sometimes we order Uber Eats for breakfast. And like, these are all things that, yeah, 100%, like I totally relate to these things because some days are literally like, I just need to get to bedtime because it is a horrible day. And yeah, I like how they, they touched on that a few times. Like some days are going to be awful. Like, awful, miserable. And that kind of goes along with, you know, looking at social media, you think you're supposed to have this like blessed life every day. And every moment with your child is like a gift from the heavens. And like, you know, and it's like, no, some days are actual like, yes, welcome to the shit show. Like this is chaos. So yeah. When they were talking about, you know, like streaming Netflix all day some days. And I was like, yeah, I can relate. Like I've had a sinus infection this past weekend. My husband was working. He was on call. He was, Milo didn't nap. I was like, perfect. Like I'm, I just want to lay down. Like I'm dying. Like my, my sinuses are so bad and my child is going to decide not to nap Saturday and Sunday. And my husband's working at the hospital. He's not here. And so yeah, Toy Story he loves it. So put on Toy Story, like whatever you have to do to keep yourself happy and to keep your child happy is like my number one thing. Um, They talked about bringing electronic devices to restaurants. And I can remember when Milo was probably like a year old, maybe a little bit younger, we went to a pub nearby and like for lunch, it was a weekend and 
we were like, I just wanted to have a draft beer and like a burger and fries and just like be at a restaurant. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like these are things that you kind of take for granted when you don't have a child. Like some, like you're always nervous to go do something like this because you're like, what if they throw a tantrum or they're miserable? They they won't get in the high chair. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're always thinking in the back of your mind, like what, what if like something crazy happens and like we have to leave? So anyways, we brought the iPad with Paw Patrol episodes on it. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I bet you people are seeing us with like our little tiny baby and like the iPad with Paw Patrol playing. And they're probably like, what? Like, you know, like shitty parents. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, we're not shitty parents. We just want to have a fucking beer on a Saturday afternoon and like enjoy ourselves and not have him throwing a tantrum or you know screaming in the restaurant and it's like sometimes you just have to do what is going to make the whole uh like event or like outing enjoyable and and that's it like but so I wonder like when you think you're being judged like do you think that and again because I'm not a parent so I'm asking this question are people actually judging you because from someone who's not a parent when I see parents doing that I'm instantly thinking like good on you guys because you, your child is calm. But I also have the same reaction when I see a kid in the grocery store losing their shit and the parents just like pushing the cart and their <laughs> kids going crazy. Like I, act, I don't get frustrated. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I feel bad for you. Like, can yeah. I go buy you a beer? Basically is what I'm thinking. <laughs> I was like, Oh, like, I'm so glad I'm not in your position right now. So, but I have a lot of, I almost want to, like, I can't say empathy because I don't actually experience relate, but I have a lot of sympathy for people in this situation. So I'm wondering, like, do you feel like you're being judged? And do you think you actually are being judged? So I think when, and like everyone, you don't have to have kids to know this, but there's certain things about having a child that are just black and white. And I actually, I write about this, like in the book that I'm working on. And I, I call them like, I forget, like, I don't know, like high judgment or like hot topics or something like this. And it's like, there's certain things that people can just not have a gray area about and some people. So some people are like over here and some people are over there. And Mm -hmm. these topics are things like breastfeeding, like sending Mm -hmm. your child to daycare, screen time. Like there's certain things, sleep training, uh, like these things, like there's people that you know that there's people out there that think, you know, showing a screen to your your child that's under two years old or five years old or whatever their belief is, is like, like the worst thing that you can do. And like, how can you do that? Like, you know, you should be teaching your child to socialize and like, you know, you know what I mean? Instead of like, and they also mm-hmm. look at that that like 20 minutes, 30 minutes that we're in the restaurant and Milo's watching Paw Patrol and they think like that is how we do our day every day. And it's like, no, this is just a special Saturday. We wanted to come out for lunch and like have an enjoyable afternoon. And so, yeah, we brought the iPad. Like this is not, we don't sit him at home on the couch with his iPad, you know, 24 seven, but that you, you just, because you know that people have these Hmm. Yes, that so that when you do something like that in public, you feel that way, whether or not it's actually happening, you just feel that way. And the same goes for, you know, moms who 
had to give up breastfeeding or didn't want to breastfeed in the first place. And then they pull out a bottle of formula at like a mommy play date group or something. You just have this feeling. And I talk a lot about how regardless of whether the judgment is actually happening, you still feel that way. And it stems from, yeah, like insecurity. And the reason we're insecure about these things that we should not be insecure about at all is because of these polarizing things that people cannot see a gray area. It's like black and white and that's it. So yeah, like it's like, are you really being judged? It's like, probably not. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. I'll never know, but that's how I feel. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I liked, I liked those bad momming examples and the, um, the chapter that was called up yours, honey nut Mm -hmm. bee. It's like so funny. I love that title too. Um, but again, I thought they could have went more, um, before we started recording this, we were chatting and I was saying how, I found a lot of the times in the book they could have been more adult about their their comedy or how they wrote things and I found it to be a little bit juvenile and this was one of those um those parts of the book like when she talks about the honey nut bee and kind of as a mom you get into these like tedious routines where you're doing the exact same thing every single day right so she was the bowl down from the cupboard every single day yeah and takes the honey nut cheerios down and pours it into the bowl and it's like it's so true and but anyways she they called the chapter up yours honey nut bee and when she describes it I was like you know you could have went like so much further and I would like to see some like f-bombs and like you know describe it a little bit more uh intensely but I relate to this and Every time people ask me, like, what, like, what do you think the the hardest part of being a mom has been for you? And I always say, not being able to do stuff that I want to do, and on top of that, like being by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, those are just like very basic things. I could even do without that. But like to read, to write, to use my brain, like to be like creative, to you know whatever it is, make TikToks. Um, and on top of not being able to do those things, you're doing these very repetitive, menial tasks all day, every day. And sometimes it's a struggle. Like you're doing the same thing all day, every day. And it's a struggle yes. because it's like, okay, we have Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios every day at one thirty, And for some reason today, this child is deciding that he hates Honey Nut Cheerios. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and, and I will say like, that's me. Like I'm clearly like that's I enjoy I was in school for like however like what 34 years this is me so it's not everyone some people want nothing more than to be home with their children and doing these things with their children arts crafts like they mm-hmm. they love that shit and I, that's just not who I am and I always like to point out that you know, some people have to work full-time jobs and all they want to do is be home with their kids and do these things that I would complain about. Right. Yeah. You know, like everybody is different. Everyone. I mean, again, I can't, I couldn't 
really relate to that chapter. I mean, I think right now with, with the pandemic, like we were talking also before we actually started recording, I don't leave the house nearly as much as I used to because I'm working from home. And so I don't drive to work. I don't go get my coffee. I would say my routines are just the same as when I went to work. Like I have the same work related routines, but outside of my work life, I don't have a routine. So I don't, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like when I read that chapter, I was kind of like, I I can kind of relate based on what I've experienced with my friends, but I actually kind of can't. So from someone who doesn't have kids, I was like, well, I don't really know what the problem is here. (laughs) (laughs) It's, and it's funny because my, my friend who she is a clinical psychologist, she just had a baby a couple weeks ago or something like three weeks ago, maybe. And she just said like, up until the day she gave birth, she was like, go, 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 go. Like, you know, huge to-do lists every single day, just like ripping through the list, like so productive. And she's already starting. It's like been a few weeks and she's like, this is really difficult. Like you can't fucking do what you want to do. And I'm like, isn't it a mind fuck? And she's probably a similar, you know, personality type to me. And I was like, I, you know what? I hear you. Like that is the, like my biggest struggle. And so quarantine for me was like so difficult. Even like it was a little bit better because I had just finished my PhD. So I didn't have this like, you know, weight on my shoulders of having to do my work, um, which I know other people had, but it was still like, oh, I just want to go do my own shit. Like, So, okay, to end this episode, I just wanted to point out something that they talk about that I 100% agree with is they kind of preach that, you know, do things your way, what works for your family. Yeah. And also stressing that you're the best mom for your kids, which I love. And I always tell this to people, like, if you love your children and you're like, you know, doing your best, whatever, whatever looks the best for that day that you're having, like your, if your children are happy, like you are the best mom for your kids. And like, I love that. And it's so true. And sometimes we get so hung up on little things, especially with mom guilt, like, you know, sucking at your brain all day. Mm -hmm. Like we get so hung up on like, oh my God, like he wants to watch another toy story. And it's like, he's having a great fucking time. Like, you know, you're the one stressing about this. Like, so tomorrow you go to the park and you like read a few extra books if that's going to make you feel better. But like today, you're not feeling well. He is being fussy. Put on Toy Story and just have a good day. Yeah. And 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 that's it. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that point was really expressed to you in the, the chapter on um, how cat when her parents split up and her mom lived in like a small house yes. in the woods and they literally had an outhouse for, I think she said yes. that for like two years. I think the chapter, well, the chapter's called, so yeah, I was raised in a shack with an outhouse for real. <laughs> and I was like, I loved this chapter one. Cause obviously like I love camping and I'm like, Oh, outhouse fun. Um, but I loved how this chapter was just about like her relationship with her mom and her brothers. And she talks about how she didn't feel like she was missing out at all because she had so much love from her mom and her mom 
like they were her number one priority. And I think at one point she did gain a little bit of extra money. Her mom maybe had a paper route or something and they would all go deliver the papers together or something as a family. And those are the memories she remembers, not about having to share a bedroom or about fancy toys or, and it just goes to show like kids need their parent or love their parents more than they love the things that their parents buy them. And so I liked this chapter. I think it was really cool to, to have it in there. And, you know, she even talks about like, then they would go to their dad's house and he lived in suburbia and it was totally different, but she didn't like one place necessarily better than the other because both of her parents loved her and she knew that and she was with her brothers. And so it just goes to show that it's like, like family are super important. Kids know when you're, you're doing your best and they don't care what, what your house looks like or what toys you buy them ultimately. And every day is not going to be perfect, but um, it's so important to not be hard on yourself for those days that aren't perfect because the kids aren't going to remember the imperfect days. They're going to remember like their overall childhood, right? You don't pinpoint one day where mom or, or even they, you might, you might remember the day, Hey mom, let us watch Netflix all day that day. Remember how fun that was? And they actually might remember that. (laughs) Yep. A hundred percent. So I'll end the episode just with the last sentence of the book. It says, want to know the ultimate mom truth. If you love your kids, you're mom enough. So that is that read. That was our September book. Um, Our October book, which I haven't started yet and I need to start, is Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. so yeah, this is a novel. It's our first novel. Um, but yeah, you've read it already, Jen, right? I did, but I'm really looking forward to reading it again. 